Hey, are you ready for the word today? I'm telling you, I'm really excited to share this. This is going to be a message uh, that maybe at surface level uh, seems like it's simple, uh, but I believe if you really apply what God has to say today, it's going to push you into a new dimension of what he has for you. Amen. Do you have a Bible with you? You bring a Bible. Come on, if you got a Bible, wave it in the air like it just do care. Some of your Bibles are glowing. That's amazing. <laughs> you know what I say? If you don't have a Bible, there is no condemnation, no pressure. Just do me a favor. After the service, go to the nearest hotel. Second drawer on the right, okay? Just steal you a Gideon. Amen. You need the word of God. <laughs> I want to look at the gospel of Matthew today. The gospel of Matthew chapter number six. And I want to look at verses five through eight. Matthew six five through eight and I've been here uh, so many times but just as a reminder you do know I'm a holla back preacher so it's illegal for you to sit there this afternoon and just be like that's interesting no you gotta shout stuff at me like come on with it say that you can stand up in the middle and go whoo that was for me you can stand up in the middle and go ooh that was for you any one of those <laughs> will work just don't get quiet on me Matthew chapter six when you gotta say yeah if you're still looking for it, say, hold on. All right, hurry up. I'm going to let you find it. <laughs> Pray for this sister over here. <laughs> Let's look at what it says. It says, and when you pray, woo, this is Jesus talking and it's already good. It's already good. We're just starting off and it's all good. It says, and when you pray. Notice in the text, it does not say if you pray. It says, when you pray. Jesus is suggesting to us that you understand as a believer that prayer is not optional. It is a necessity. So he says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, Pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Anybody thankful for that right there? That was worth the whole service. I want to preach a little while this afternoon, not long, probably about three and a half hours, uh, just using as a subject, simple subject, secret prayer, secret prayer. Would you do me a favor? Look at the person next to you, get in their face, get in their personal space and just say neighbor. Come on, don't be afraid to talk to your neighbor in church. Come on, say neighbor. Some things I pray are none of your business. It's secret prayer. Come on, find another neighbor, your second option. Come on. Say, other neighbor. Some things I pray. It's not about you. It's a secret. Come on, if you believe God's going to speak to you this afternoon, give him some praise up in here. Woo, I feel like preaching. Come on, let's pray before we jump into this word. Father, I thank you for the power that is in your word. God, I know the grass withers, the flower fades, but it's your word that shall stand forever. Holy Spirit, in these next few moments, I ask you to make my lips the pen of a ready writer, prepared to inscribe your word on the hearts and the minds of your people. God, we didn't come here today out of religious routine. We didn't come here today to be entertained. 
God, we've come to be drastically changed. Speak to us and let us leave different than the way that we came in. And somebody who loves Jesus, say amen. amen. Say amen again. Are there any married people in the house today? Any married people? Can I see your hand? Come on, keep it up there. Married people. Awesome. Uh, all my fellas, all my married brothers, um, I'm wondering this morning, do you remember the moment where you gathered up the unction, the gall, the audacity to ask that woman sitting next to you to spend the rest of her life with you? Do you remember that moment? I vividly remember mine. I'll never forget December 9th, 2011 at 7.53 p.m. Uh, I asked the beautiful Taylor uh, to marry me. I, I remember it because I took her to an ice sculpture museum went to an ice sculpture museum, and as we're perusing through the ice sculpture museum, I had them carve out an ice, will you marry me? And I remember getting to the spot where it was right behind her, and I did what every male does when he's talking to a female that he's in love with. I dropped my voice real low, and I said, baby, turn around. <laughs> True story. I said, turn around. And she turned around and saw carved out in ice, will you marry me? And then when she turned back around, I was down on one knee with some more ice. Hello, somebody. <laughs> and I asked her to be my wife. But since that moment, since that moment that I got down on one knee, I began to get several revelations that I was not apprised of when I was a single man. Several revelations. The first one I got very quickly was that weddings are expensive. Astronomically expensive. Nobody warned this chocolate brother. Weddings are crazy, crazy expensive. I remember talking to a caterer who did not get a call back, who had the nerve to tell us that it was going to be $6,000 for punch. Six thousand six g's for punch i never thought the price of punch would make me want to punch somebody in the face what are we talking about weddings are crazy expensive as a matter of fact i don't want to single anybody out but where are the single people can i see your hand all the single people okay you, how many of you single you waiting on the one waiting on the one let me help you stop waiting on the one start saving for the one okay because when you find the one you're gonna need some money okay weddings are expensive but Another revelation I got, probably the biggest one, and I continue to get this revelation every day that I'm married, and that revelation is this. Men and women are different. Okay, I should have got a big amen right there. Okay, men and women are totally different, not just in our physicality, not just in our physiology, not just in the positioning of protoplasm. We are totally different, especially in the way that we communicate. We communicate totally differently. Uh, guys, social scientists tell us that we use about five to 10,000 words a day. Ladies, you use 50,000 words a day. We communicate differently. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, do the test after this service. Do the test. Walk up to a man, walk up to a male, and ask him, how was service? How was church? He will tell you, good. <laughs> no, how was church? Great. <laughs> awesome. Walk up to a lady, walk up to a lady and ask her, how was church? She will tell you, well, look, even before I came to church, okay, I really feel like I'm in a season of my life right now where I'm not really happy. I'm not really sad either. You know what? It started in 2013. That was the tough. Did nobody ask you all that? But we're different. We just communicate differently. 
And I now have scriptural proof as to why. I have biblical evidence as to why this is so. Uh, you'll notice in the book of Genesis, God creates Adam. He creates man first from the very dirt of the earth. He created us first. That's where you can never be stuck up. You're just a dirt bag, okay? He created man first. And before he gives Adam a woman, you'll note that he first gave him a job. Before he got a woman, he got a J-O-B. Let the sisters say amen in here today. He got a job, okay? Here's his job. His job is to name all of the animals in the animal kingdom, okay? God brings the animals. He names the animals. That's his job. And I can see Adam. He's a dude. I'm a dude. I can see Adam walking through the garden. It's like, ah, ah. That's a hawk right there. And he takes another step forward. Oh, my Mufasa. That is going to be a lion, okay? And he takes another step forward. He's like, hey, that's my dog right there, okay? naming all the animals. There's a lot of animals in the animal kingdom. He has to name all of them. And as Adam is frolicking with these animals, God looks down and says something that is very funny to me in the book of Genesis. He looks down, sees Adam with the animals, and he goes, it is not good for man to be alone, okay? (laughs) I need to help this brother out right now, okay? So he puts Adam into a deep sleep. If you've been around church, you know the story. He cuts him open, takes his rib, which by the way, ladies, we had the first C-section. Just saying. (laughs) And uh, he takes Adam's rib and he creates Eve. Now watch this. Adam, who has been used to communicating by ah, ah, (laughs) wakes up one morning to a beautiful woman who says, hello, how are you? And he's like, ah, ah, (laughs) and she's like, OMG, he cannot communicate. We need counseling, okay? (laughs) And uh, basically went through all that just to show you, watch this, that since the beginning of time, since the book of Genesis, the challenge has always been for a bride and a groom to have clear and constant communication that would push them into deeper communion. If a bride and a groom could just make a connection, powerful things would begin to happen. If a bride and a groom could just have an interaction that would propel them into deeper intimacy, powerful things would begin to manifest. Now, right about now, you're going, Robert, why in the world are you talking about a bride and a groom connecting when you began saying you're talking about the power of secret prayer? To you, I would say you've not been paying attention at all because the power of prayer is when the bride who is the church has constant communication with the groom who is Jesus and that communication pushes us into a deeper communion and intimacy with him this is the power of us the bride connecting with the groom who is Jesus but the reason I'm sharing this message with you today because it seems as though we've got a runaway bride that's forgotten the power of secret prayer. That's forgotten the power of what happens when you shut everything down and you connect with the groom who is Jesus. Hear me, prayer is the currency of the kingdom of God. Prayer is the oxygen of our faith. Prayer is the link between what is and what should be. Prayer is rebellion against the status quo. Prayer is not a monologue where you offer your wish list to a cosmic Santa Claus, but it is a dialogue between the creator and the creation that can shift and change the trajectory of your life. There is power when you get down on your knees and touch heaven. There's power in prayer. Prayer is the miraculous moment.
where human impotence and divine omnipotence intersect. Prayer, watch this, is when you give God earthly license for heavenly interference. How many of you could look at a particular area of your life and say, you know what? I need some heavenly interference in this area of my life. Prayer is when you give God earthly license for heavenly interference. Now, how in the world can we give God license for heavenly interference? Or to answer that question, you got to back that thing up to Genesis again. And you got to look at the very first prayer meeting. The very first prayer meeting was in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And uh, there's three people at the prayer meeting, but there's one person at the prayer meeting. There's three people at the prayer meeting, but there's one person at the prayer meeting. Not four, but three and one at the same time. Because you understand that your God is triune in nature. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three, wrapped up in one. He is three and one. I love God. Because he's the only person that can stand in a room by himself and say, hey guys, here's what we are going to do. Only God can do that. Only God, because he's three in one. If we catch you in a room by yourself, <laughs> talking about, hey, guys, here's what we are going to do. We're going to call a popo and a clinical psychologist, okay? But God is so awesome. He has so much sovereign swag. He can just stand by himself, in himself, and of himself and say, okay, here's what we are going to do. And he declares, let us, us, us make man in our image. And then he says something that really bursts the prayer movement. He says, let them have dominion in the earth. Hear me, I hope you know today that you are supposed to have dominion in the earth realm. That when the enemy comes and attacks your family and starts attacking your kids and attacking your finances, you aren't supposed to back up and say, well, that's just the way it is. No, that's time for you to get into warfare and start exercising your faith and say, no, God has given me dominion over this area. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I have got to exercise the power of my secret prayer. Because God says, hear me, I'm not going to interfere until I hear my bride intercede. Ooh. See, some of us think we're waiting on God. God, show up. God, do something. And God going, I'm waiting on you. <laughs> I'm waiting on you to exercise the power of secret prayer. You're not waiting on God. He is waiting on you. Give us some scripture for that, Robert. Okay, 2 Chronicles 714. If you're a proud Sunday school alumnus, you know this verse. It says, if my people, my people my bride, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then somebody say then. Yeah. Come on, say it like you got some power. Say then. Yeah. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. How many know the then is connected to the when? God is waiting on us. Okay, um, before I came here to Oklahoma City, I was uh, preaching in Miami, Florida. And uh, when I got to Miami, I would have thought the airport was closed because uh, there were people inside the airport, but the doors were shut. People inside, doors were shut. So I took a step forward, doors stayed shut. I took another step forward, doors stayed shut. I took another step forward, doors stayed shut. I said, this is messed up. I'm about to miss my flight. I took another step forward, doors stayed shut. I took one more step forward. You won't believe what happened. The doors supernaturally, automatically, opened up. I said, whoo, God is moving in Miami airport. This is awesome. I then went to the restroom to wash my hands and there was no knob to cut on the faucet in the restroom. I said, man, what kind of ghetto airport bathroom is this? They ain't even got a faucet to cut on the water. This economy's gotten bad if we can't even get a faucet to cut on the water. So I just put my hands underneath the sink. You ain't gonna believe what happened. Water started flowing automatically out of the water dispenser. I said, Benny Hinn must have prayed for this bathroom airport because I feel the presence of God in here. I said, if it 
work for the water. I wanted for the work for the soap. I moved my hand to the right. You ain't gonna believe what happened. Soap started flowing automatically out of the soap dispenser. I said, "Who? God is moving in the bathroom. I know He's gonna move when I get to people's church. This is awesome." I then went to the paper towel dispenser. There were no paper towels in the paper towel dispenser. I said, "It's gonna be awkward. I'm gonna be walking around the airport with wet hands." But before I left, I started moving my hand in desperation in front of the paper towel dispenser. You ain't gonna believe what happened. Paper towels started flowing with blessing and abundance. I said, I feel God in the bathroom airport. Now, right about now, you're looking at me like I'm crazy, like I have lost my mind, and you're going, Robert, that's not a miracle. The whole bathroom is motion activated. But I do think it's a miracle, because if I remained still, stuck, and stagnant, I would still be in Miami and wouldn't be here with you today. But as soon as I started taking a step and moving, doors started opening, and things started flowing. And can I tell you, God is motion activated. And as soon as you start moving, in faith and in prayer things will start opening up in your life stuff will start flowing that's never flowed before because God, I feel like preaching Woo. God is motion activated God says when you move I'll move just like that you are not waiting on me I am waiting on you your God is motion activated he says draw close to me and I will draw close to you. Many of us never get the answers or the manifestation of power we're looking for because we never step into the realm of secret prayer. There is power in secret prayer. Hear me, for all purposes of clarity today, I am talking about private prayer. I'm talking about secret prayer, your private prayer time. I'm not talking about corporate prayer, but while we're on topic, how many of you know there is power when the body of Christ gets together? Ooh, never negate the power of what we're doing today that we all have joined together in one voice to lift up one name irrespective of our color of our economic status of our background how many know that powerful things happen when the body of Christ gets together and lifts up the name that is above every single name oh this is a powerful moment I love secret prayer which is our topic today but let me just while we're on subject say there's power when we get together in the body of Christ the Bible says one will chase a thousand but two would put 10,000 to flight. That a strand of three cords is not easily broken. I even love that Hollywood is doing movies on the body of Christ getting together. You know they're doing movies about it. I just watched a couple weeks ago, a powerful movie about the body of Christ getting together. Did y'all see the Avengers? powerful movie. I had church watching the Avengers because to me it's just about the body of Christ getting together. You understand the Avengers brought in more money than Captain America and the Hulk did individually. Subliminally suggesting to us that there's power when we get together. That it has nothing to do with our externals. Come on, somebody could come in here green. Somebody else could come in here in red and blue spandex. It has nothing to do with the external but everything to do with the supernatural power of God in me. Connecting with the supernatural power of God in you. Come on, if we get together we can avenge the territory that the enemy has tried to take from us Ooh, that's another sermon for another day but today talking about that moment which I pray you have where you shut everything down and you get alone and have a secret place where you connect with God sometimes that's the most difficult thing to do to shut everything down and have a moment alone with him in my home, in my office, I have this big old sign. It's right by my desk. And it's a reminder to me about the power of secret prayer. And on the plaque, it says, make time for quiet moments because the world is loud and God often whispers. He often whispers. And you can only hear those whispers when you get alone in a secret place.
Do you know why secret prayer is so important? It's so important because it is distinctly different, hear me, from any other discipline that you will practice in your walk with the Lord. First of all, let's just establish that you do have to have some discipline if you're ever going to grow in the things of God. Come on, the word disciple comes from discipline. You've got to have some discipline. Discipline like reading the word of God for yourself and not just when the preacher opens up the word of God. Discipline like worshiping. A discipline like connecting in the body of Christ and not just being a spectator, but being a participator. Discipline like not just saying, well, what can my church do for me? But ask yourself, what can you do to serve and help your church? This is discipline that helps us grow. But I love secret prayer because it is in the category all by itself because it is one of the only disciplines, hear me, that completely nullifies the human need to do things for validation from other people. One of the human proclivities we have is to do things for validation from other people. And I love secret prayer because it completely removes the need to do things for validation. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain and merge theology and technology. Okay, how many of you in here, you have a Facebook page? Anybody got a Facebook page? Facebook, come on, Facebook is not sin. Come on. You got some of you are like, oh, I don't know. Mm, no, I just got my face in the book, the Bible. I ain't got it. It's all right, okay. <laughs> got a Facebook page. All right. How many of you uh you got Instagram? Anybody got Instagram? Okay, awesome. All right. I used to think, I used to think that people post pictures on Instagram and Facebook simply for viewership. They just post the pictures because they want people to look at it. I used to think that. Upon further reflection, I found out people do not just post pictures for viewership. They post pictures for validation. And the creators of Instagram and Facebook know this because they have created a mechanism to help us with our constant need for validation from other people. On both Instagram and Facebook, there's a comment section. And people who have viewed your page can come in and write a nice little comment on your picture. Or they can double click it. I think on Facebook, you get a bunch of thumbs up. On Instagram, it's cute little hearts. So we're all posting things so that people will write a comment or double click it. And so when you post that picture after you've been working out, you are posting it in the hopes that somebody go, oh, you done lost some weight. Girl, you looking good. Or when you get that brand new hairdo, you post it saying, oh, I love that new hairdo. Killing them. So good. Or when you post that picture, you hoping that they see how close you are. Courtside seats. Man, how you get those seats? Baller. That's why. <laughs> some of you are not secure enough in your insecurity to admit this, but we're posting pictures. <laughs> in the hopes that we get validation from other people, okay? Stay with me. There are certain disciplines in the body of Christ that, watch this, the discipline is not wrong, but if you're not careful, the motive behind why you do it can become wrong. So, so I've seen people who worship exuberantly in a church service, but it has nothing to do with their love for God, but they want to make sure that the camera hits them while their hands are lifted so everybody can see. Y'all see how I'm worshiping? I'm up in the front. I love him. Y'all don't. Look at how spiritual I am. That's what it's about. The motive has become wrong. I've seen people write big checks to churches and it had nothing to do with the spirit of generosity but everything to do with the fact they know somebody's checking the giving record. So they'll be quick to let the pastor know my opinion matters because I'm writing big checks in here. Here's what I love about secret prayer. Don't miss this. Secret prayer removes the like button it removes the comment section because there's nobody there to see you in secret prayer. And secret prayer, the only reward you get is just more of him. You get more of his presence and there's nobody to applaud you or give you a trophy. You just get the greatest reward, which is more of him. This is the power of secret prayer. Sometimes the Holy Spirit gives me crazy illustrations when I preach and I was studying this. And the Holy Spirit said that secret prayer is the teeth brushing of Christianity. 
It's the teeth brushing. What do you mean, Robert? Um, I have no physical or empirical evidence that any of you brushed your teeth this morning. No physical or empirical evidence, none at all. I hope you brushed your teeth this morning, especially if you talked to your neighbor earlier. But I have no evidence that you did. As a matter of fact, you can go a day without brushing your teeth, and I won't know. You can go two days without brushing your teeth. I'm not going to notice. You can go three days without brushing your teeth. I still might not know. You could go four days without brushing your teeth. And if you got a curiously strong mint and some Orbitz gum, I still won't know. But you go two weeks without brushing your teeth? <laughs> you go a month without brushing your teeth? You go four months without brushing your teeth? I will know before you say hello. As soon as you open up your mouth, I'm going to fall out, and it won't be the presence of the Lord. It will be the pungent odor that is emanating from your mouth. Watch this. You will now have public humiliation because you negated private hygiene. That's what prayer is. You skip a day, you think, oh, I'm good. Go a long time. Before you know it, you're shocked at the things that come out of your mouth. <laughs> you forgot, you forget, well, you wonder why you got four or five seconds from wilding. It's because you weren't in a secret place. You can, can always tell. You can always tell. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be, you know, dirty language or saying something crazy. Sometimes it could just be negativity. Lack of faith. You ever meet those people? You always tell them your dreams or something. They got a chart board and a PowerPoint as to why it can't happen. And now nah, you can't do that. Uh-uh. Never been done before. That's proof positive that person hadn't been in a secret place. Because when you're in a secret place, God opens up your eyes to the possibility of what he can do. You get a confidence that lets you know God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you may ask or think. When you haven't been in the secret place, you lose perspective on life. This whole text today is a result of Jesus' indictment towards the Pharisees because the Pharisees were real good at public displays of, of, of spirituality. They're real good at public displays of, of spirituality, but they had no private substance. You could be talking to the Pharisees. They'd be in the middle of a conversation with you. would be like, hey, man, did you catch, catch the game? You're watching March Madness, da, da, da. And in the middle of the conversation, they would go, oh, excuse me. It is now time for my hour of prayer. Big display. Excuse me, I must now go and pray to God. Excuse me, my prayer time. Here we go. <clears throat> Eternal, effervescent, omnipresent, omnipotent God, your most humble servant has gathered under your auspicious presence to embark upon the mission of prayer. I am fully cognizant that thou art the God of galaxy, sky, space, and stars. So would you from your divinity look down upon my humanity and change the trajectory of my life? I offer this humble prayer from the deep recesses of my heart, soul, mind, spirit, and medubla oblongata. Thou art the father and the potter. I am the clay. Magnanimously mold me as a vessel that can be used in this time and dispensation of the earth. Amen. That's how the Pharisees would pray. And Jesus goes, uh, don't pray like that. <laughs> don't pray like that. Prayers like that had nothing to do with him. Everything to do with them. <laughs> he says, when you pray, here's what I want you to do. Don't even tell anybody. Just go find a secret place. He gives a location. Find you a secret place and then shut the door behind you. If you got kids, lock the door. <laughs> you got more than one, deadbolt the door. <laughs> Pray to your father in secret. Your father who hears you in secret will be faithful to reward you openly. Quick question. Why would Jesus tell his disciples to pray in private? Why would he tell them to pray in private? 
I submit to you, if you study the Gospels, one of the things that you will find is that anytime Jesus mandated his disciples to do something, he first personally modeled it. He never mandated something that he didn't model. What a great leadership principle. Never mandate something that you aren't going to personally model. He always modeled what he mandated. If he told them to love, it's because he loved them with an everlasting love, even to the point of giving his very own life. If he told them to serve, it's because he served and took the position of a servant and washed their feet. If he told them to forgive and keep on forgiving people who do stupid, ignoramus things to you over and over again, keep on forgiving them. You know why? Because he keeps forgiving you when you keep doing stupid, ignoramus things over and over again. Anything he mandated, he personally modeled. So why would he tell them to pray in private? It's because Jesus prayed more in private than he did in public. All throughout the Gospels, he was always retreating away to a quiet place to pray. In fact, the busier he got, the more he got away to a secret place. Sometimes he wouldn't even tell them where he was going. He would just leave. They'd be like, Jesus, where are you going? Don't worry about it. I'm the son of God. He would just leave. <laughs> he would just go to a private place to pray. I mean, come on, you remember we're encroaching upon the Easter season. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when he took Peter, James, and John, you know, the special three with him to go pray? He said, hey, come on, I want y'all to pray with me, but not really with me. Even when he took those three, he said, y'all stay right here. And he still went to a solitary place to pray. Always praying in private. Then he went back and checked on these great men of God, and there they were talking about, <laughs> what? No, no, we, we was praying. We were praying. He was always praying in private, always. Have you ever read this in your Bible? where it says several places, it says, a great while before day, Jesus arose and went to a solitary place to pray. Have you ever read that in your Bible? A great while before day, Jesus arose and went to a solitary place to pray. That verse messed me up for a couple of reasons. First of all, it messed me up because I am not a morning person. Can I get a witness in here today, okay? See, the 815 didn't shout me down, okay? This would be my service, all right, right here. All right, I am not a morning person. I'm a double-digit person. That means talk to me about 10 a.m., all right? That's when I wake up. I'm not a morning person, so it doesn't bless my life that a great while before day, Jesus arose and went to a solitary place to pray, okay? That doesn't help me because I'm not a morning person. Not only that, it messed me up because I have been to Israel. I've been to the Holy Land, and when I was there, the sun was getting up between 4.30 and 5.30 a.m. People, the Bible says a great while before day, he arose and went to a solitary place to pray. People, the sun was coming up between 4.30 and 5.30 a.m. A great while before day, a great while, okay? I looked up a great while in the Greek. Guess what it means? A great while. <laughs> so... I mean, what time is it getting up? 4.30 and 5.30 a.m., the sun comes up. That means before the sun was up, the sun was up. Some of you get that tomorrow. Like, what in the world? What time is it getting up? Between 1 o'clock, maybe 2 o'clock, getting alone to connect with his father. Just spending hours connecting with him. Then after he had spent his time in secret prayer, he didn't go wake up his disciples, who are probably double-digit people like me. Wake them up. He said, hey, boys, let's go into the town. Let's see what we can do. Go into the town, see a blind person, put his hands on him and say, open up your eyes, tell me what you see. Go up to a person who was possessed by a demon. Jesus, hey, stop it. Stop. Come out. 
just chill. This is how he's doing the supernatural. Just going up to a dude who can't walk, can't walk. He's like, bro, you are lame. Like, for real, seriously? You're lame. Come on, get up. Now, let me give you some context. This is how I see Jesus doing the supernatural, okay? I don't see Jesus straining to do the supernatural. I just see him chillaxing doing the supernatural. I mean, it's a hurricane, people. He just goes up to the edge of the ship talking about peace be still. That's how I see Jesus doing the supernatural, okay? I don't see Jesus doing the supernatural like we try to do the supernatural. Come on, you ever see us church people trying to cast out a demon? Come on, it is like a workout video. In the name of Jesus, come out. Come out. Having an asthma attack between each word. Come out. Come out. I'm tired. Somebody else go, in the name of Jesus, come out. I don't see Jesus doing that, okay? I just see Jesus walking up to him saying, hey, stop it. Come out. Just chilling doing the supernatural. Now watch this. If I'm a disciple and I'm seeing Jesus do this, here's my question. Lord, can you teach me how to do that? (laughs) No, for real. Teach me how to go in the middle of a hurricane and just go, peace, be still. But isn't it interesting that disciples never, ever asked Jesus to teach them how to do the supernatural? Never. All they said was, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. I submit to you, the reason they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray is because one day they eavesdropped on his private prayer time. Allow me to use my exegetical imagination. I can see them. I can see perhaps Peter and John talking. And I can see Peter talking to John going, Shh, Peter, you see how Jesus does a supernatural just like that? Like he doesn't even break a sweat to do a miracle. He just does it like that. How is he doing that? John's like, Peter, bro, I don't even know. There's one thing I do know. No matter where we're staying, no matter where we're sleeping, he always gets up and retreats away to a private place. Peter's like, John, are you sure? John's like, Peter, I'm more spiritual than you. I know when his presence leaves, okay? You got a cussing problem, okay? I know when he leaves. Peter's like, well, well, John, where do you think he's going? John's like, I don't know. See, Peter going, you know what we should do? Actually, you know what you should do? We ought to spy on him and see where he's going when he retreats away. John gets nervous. <laughs> so we can't do that. We can't spy on Jesus. Then Judas walks in. Yeah, we can. <laughs> Hater. <laughs> I can see them going, let's see. Let's see where he's going every time he gets up and goes away. So I can see them pretending like they're asleep one night. <laughs> sure enough, like clockwork, he gets up, goes to a solitary place. I can see them following Jesus, perhaps hiding behind a tree or a rock. And they watch. And what they see is something so powerful and so intimate. And I think it's in that moment that they got a revelation. They go, that's it. (laughs) That's it. Jesus, you good. You good. Perhaps the reason. He has so much power publicly, it's because of what he's doing right now privately. Perhaps the reason he can do the supernatural like that is because of the time he's spending right now connecting with his father. Peter, we had it backwards. We thought we could spend a few seconds in the quiet place and still have public power, and no wonder we couldn't cast out that demon the other day. But Jesus is teaching us a profound principle that public Power comes from private prayer. I felt the need to ask somebody today, how's your secret place? 
because your public power is directly connected to your private place. I'll tell you, when this principle became so real in my life, and I land, you can tell the beautiful soft music is behind me, so this is the close. <laughs> I, uh, I think I've told you before, I'm African-American, right? Like one of the realest African-Americans. My dad, he's from Nigeria. 30 plus years ago, he came to America like Eddie Murphy. Uh, <laughs> met my mom who's American, so when your daddy's African and your mother's American, that makes you African-American. And I'll never forget a few years ago doing a crusade in my father's country of Nigeria. It's actually on the same piece of land that my dad used to play soccer on as a kid. Never thought he'd ever come to the United States. We're doing this open air crusade and I remember before going to do the crusade in Nigeria, I was being inundated with all these stories about how witchcraft and the demonic was so pervasive over there. And so needless to say, I found a secret place real quick. And uh, I just remember praying in private, just asking God to show up in these conferences and these services. And I noticed each night of the crusade, Anytime I said a phrase in my dad's native language, the crowd just went crazy. I don't speak the language, but I would get a phrase or two. And every time I would say it, the place just went crazy. So before one night in the crusade, I said, Dad, give me a phrase. My dad said, okay. I want you to say, Kolanu Chinike Aka. I said, one more again. <laughs> he said, Kolanu Chinike Aka. I said, okay, I got it. I start practicing. Kolanu Chinike Aka. Kolanu Chinike Aka. I said, ooh, it's going to be good. Step up to the pulpit, get ready to say it, open up my mouth, and went completely blank. Like I had nothing. All I was getting was Coca-Cola Acura, okay? <laughs> nothing. So, so I'm not about to mess this up. I'll just go ahead and just start preaching. Start preaching about the middle of my message. Wish I could show you the video. Honest to God, middle of my message. The Holy Spirit reminds me of the phrase in the middle. So I just stopped in the middle of my preaching because I remembered it. I go... As soon as I said it, a whole group of Nigerians stood up, started giving God praise. I was like, "Woo! I hit something now. So I said it again. More of them stood up, started clapping. The more I said it, the crazier they got. So I was like, Before you know it, the entire place stood to their feet, erupting in praise. The presence of God hit that place. It's incredible. Finished preaching. Got off the stage, was talking to my dad. He said, son, why did you say kolanu chinike aka in the middle of your sermon instead of the beginning? I said, well, dad, I blanked out at the beginning. All I was getting was Coca-Cola Acura. That's why I didn't say it. I said, but craziest thing, in the middle of my message, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the phrase. My dad said, wow. He said, son, that's interesting. He said, son, what you don't know is that the first night of this crusade, one of the lead practitioners of witchcraft in this village his son came to the service and responded to the altar call to give his life to Jesus. This lead practitioner of witchcraft was so upset that his son had an encounter with Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to go down to that crusade and I'm going to put a curse on that American preacher named Robert Madu. I'm going to put a curse on his life. He said, but when he thought to himself, I'm not going to come at the beginning of the service where people will see me. He said, I'm going to sneak in at the middle of the service. The only problem with that is right when he came in, trying to put the curse on me was the same time I was saying Kolanu Chinike Aka and the same time people were giving God praise in the middle of him trying to put a curse on my life. 
I didn't even tell you what Kolanu Chinike Aka means. You know what it means? It means give God praise and glory and honor. And in that moment, I realized when you have a secret place, God will block stuff in public. The enemy can't touch you. His attack won't work because God is faithful to reward those in public who have a secret place. I don't know what you need God to do for your life in public, but I do know he is calling his bride back to a secret place. Your power is what you do in private.